Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Thank you for joining us again for another edition of Immigration Crisis, the fight for the southern border. Representative, good afternoon. I know you're in Eagle Pass. How have things been going this week as far as the number of migrants coming in? We understand that the flow has substantially reduced from what we were seeing the last two weeks. So that's favorable. Um, However, we're still having to contend with a bridge one being closed and also the issues that we have because of bridge one being closed and the 100% commercial inspection still taking place of Southern um, traffic coming into the U.S. Now, for people that don't understand what 100% inspection means, explain that to them and how is it affecting your area and the amount of money of business that comes into Eagle Pass? So, you know, Governor Abbott, in response to the increase in the government surge that took place, uh, was the one that ordered, uh, you know, to have these commercial, 100% commercial inspections take place, where every one of the commercial vehicles coming from Mexico into the U.S. would be inspected by by DPS. And so that's creating long, super long lines, miles long into Mexico because of these slowed down um, inspections. Um, They're being done, you know, to get the attention of the governor of Coahuila, the mayor of Piedras, and also for them to come up with a solution to uh, reducing or eliminating the migrant search that is taking place. Uh, And I understand, you know, I've worked well with the governor's office um, in many instances, um, and I understand that he feels he needs to do something. But at the same time that he's crippling and hurting the economy in Mexico, those same, those very same actions are actually impacting a community like Eagle Pass and El Paso, the only other place where 100% commercial inspections are taking place. And so that's hurting the local economy, regionally also. And then what we're seeing, and we have a lot of freight forwarders, we have warehouse owners, we have brokers that have reached out to us. And what's happening is that these logistics companies that used to come through Eagle Pass are now finding alternate routes to be able to cross all of their cargo that is to, that used to uh, cross through here in Eagle Pass and Piedras Negras border. The concern is that once these folks find other ports to go to, it'll be hard to try to get them back. And we had done uh, the city of Eagle Pass through the bridge director had done a magnificent job in recent years in getting more and more attention to the fast, uh, uh, the the low traffic congestion and the fast crossing rates that we had here at Eagle Pass on International Bridge too. So it just seems all this work that we've done in the last four or five years, as far as getting more and more folks to understand that this is the place for them to cross, that this is the the one of the fastest growing communities on the border it's now falling by the wayside by these actions that are taking place. And with that said, I mean, 
some of the proposals, including the one that's gotten some traction, um, is the one to start charging the migrants $2,000. All of that is to be able to not only bring in business, correct, but a lot of the ranchers that we do stories with are saying that they also need workers. So can you explain a little bit what's happened since we first spoke to you about this proposal? Yes. So um, before I turn into that, I'd like to say that the last time that 100% commercial inspections took place, the state of Texas was impacted negatively by over $4.2 billion. And I think that's significant because it not only hurts those on the border or those communities that have those 100% inspections, but it has a rippling effect throughout Texas and in the United States by these products taking longer to reach their destination and also then all of the issues that come with it. So it's important then that some uh, somebody, you know, think outside the box. And I think that this is what that Texas Secure Our Border Migrant Processing and Jobs Plan will do. It'll be an attempt to try to be able to recover uh, a lot of the monies that have been expended on, on border security. Between last session and this session, we have appropriated now over $9.5 billion. And for those viewers and listeners out there, it's billion with a B that we have expended for border security of Texas taxpayers' money. And so if somebody had a plan, and this is straight to all of you all Texas listeners, if somebody had a plan that could tell you in year one, we could get you $5 billion back to the state um, in processing revenue that we would be able to generate from charging these migrants that are crossing, wouldn't that be a significant um, position for us to take and to evaluate and consider because just in year one from the initial processing fee, those are the tabulations that we've had. And where does that money come from? Well, we're seeing 8,000 crossings taking place a day. That would generate, if you were to charge $2,000, that would generate $16 million in processing fees per day and over $5 billion uh, annually. And that's just uh, in the initial processing fee. The proposal and the bill that will be filed um, also takes into account that there will be renewal fees and that we will also have a state migrant income tax also that could be implemented. All of this under the conditions that and under the pre presupposition that these folks, when they were audited by the mayor of Piedras Negras some years back, thousands of them were audited and it was discovered that they had anywhere between two and $5,000 in their pockets because that's what it costs to pay the human cartels and I'm sorry, the cartels and the human smugglers to get them across. What if there was a way, Bridge One is close, for example, and I just saw a post on social media by a local community member and small business owner here that said, if Bridge One is closed and we're having all these lanes of traffic also flowing now south to Mexico almost every afternoon, miles long on the Eagle Pass side, just because one bridge is open. Why don't we use bridge one and not expose our law enforcement officers to the elements and also provide some sort of humane treatment to these migrants that, that are cross, crossing. Let's process them. Let's have another tent once they get, get through customs where TDEM or DPS has the tent and then we can process them there, issue them a non-voting ID card, purple in color, clearly distinguishable that'll say on the front that it's a non-voting ID card. And, uh, and in the back, it'll have an RFID chip, very similar to anyone that can pull out right now their credit card. 
And then that allows us to be able to keep track of them. It's harder to forge also. And then also we can apply our um, initial processing fees, our uh, annual renewal fees, as well as the, the, uh, the state migrant income tax. We would be able to charge all, all on that same um, part because of the RFID chip. That's the way I envision that something like this would work. Obviously, I'm open to any other suggestions that my other colleagues would have. You know, we saw the call yesterday from the governor. He didn't specifically mention a migrant processing plan or a jobs plan. I'm still moving forward because our bill also has conditions and requirements that these migrants would need to undertake. For, for the ability for them to have, to, to be honored with the ability to reside in Texas and to in Texas. There's got to, they got to meet certain conditions, just like paying these fees that I talked about, but they also can't get anything above a class C misdemeanor or they'll risk deportation or being sent to another state the way the governor is already doing, busing all these individuals to different uh, states in the U.S. So I think that with that, you know, with those conditions, um, I think that we can have a win-win, especially in light of when you talk to everyone in the industry that is hurting for more laborers to be able to do the farming, uh, the, the the crop sharing. And we have folks in the hospitality industry. We have folks in the developers and contractors um, that are also uh, you know, letting us know that there's major projects that are underway in bigger urban communities. And they're at a standstill because they don't have enough uh, labor uh, work and there's a labor shortage to be able to get those projects underway. I think this is the yeah, way so that we can think and we can have a win-win situation where employers are, are are then given the tools to be able to hire these individuals. And as a small business owner of a family tortilla factory business for over 35 years, let me tell you, we always need workers also. And so these folks are here. I think the lazy ones, if you want to term them or call them or that they just come and mooch, I mean, they stay back up there. I mean, trekking thousands of miles as difficult as it is, coming through jungles, coming through uh, areas that are controlled by cartels and, and human smugglers. And so for them to have undertaken all of that, it's truly because they want a better life for themselves and for others. And the the response that I've been receiving from these individuals that have had an opportunity to work um, with these migrants that are coming, it's like they're hungry and they want to work and they're ready to and willing to be able to do what's necessary to have a better life for their family and for themselves. With that said, have you, I'm sure you've seen the images coming out of Chicago. And from what I understand, the new mayor of Chicago is heading down to the border. I haven't heard yet if he's going to be in Eagle Pass. I would think if he was smart, he would come to Eagle Pass to see how you guys have processed, you know, just alone with Mission Border Hope, 150,000 people in one year. And you don't see people laying around on the streets like you do in Chicago. So with that said, have you heard if he will be coming to see how things are done in Eagle Pass? Um, no, I haven't. It's uh, news to me. And obviously we'd invite him, you know, with open arms. We we want anybody, you know, from an elected official, public servant, anyone that wants to come and visit our beautiful town. If you, you know, and you've been here along with your colleagues, if you move a mile or two away from bridge one and bridge two where this migrant search is taking place and where they're they're initially holding them before buses come and haul them away to the processing tents you 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 would never know in the rest of eagle pass that there is this migrant search taking place you know down by shelby park and by the golf course and by these two bridges and so that's some of the the issues you know a lot of folks uh, outside of texas that are not familiar with uh, the border communities 
they just think it's it's major chaos and everything is militarized and that you know the whole town is being run shot by migrants and that's not the case it is eagle pass and maverick county and the region is one of the fastest growing um, border segments in the region and we are poised with all this nearshoring taking place after covid we learned we can't depend on china everything's moving in closer to to uh, mexico and and canada but the substantial investments i'm talking billions of dollars that are being invested in nearshoring projects in northern in northern coahuila and in northern mexico will all have a positive impact into the U.S. It's it, it's only been, what, two years since COVID, and yet we already made Mexico uh, and Texas, uh, Mexico became the biggest trading partner for, for Texas. And we, we want to continue to encourage that to make sure that we 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 feed it the the, the necessary um, you know water as you say so that we can continue to make sure that a community like Eagle Pass continues to become vibrant and is able to compete on the worldwide stage with respect to the economic output that it creates from um, its relationship with Mexico and its sister city of Piedras Negras. How shocked were you, were you that included in the special session were items dealing with immigration border security? I wasn't shocked. Uh, there was a number of us colleagues that were asking. And my concern was that, yes, it was going to be turning more into just, you know, enhancing criminal penalties, um, uh, doubling, you know, uh, the 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 possibility of what could happen to these individuals for cro uh, crossing and, and not really focusing that full deterrence alone is not the solution. I think that's been clearly evident. I think Texas taxpayers expect more from their elected officials and their public servants. And I think that we need to give them more. And especially when I continue to have interviews like this and tell this story of how there is a plan in place that can actually recover at, at a minimum $5 billion for you the first year for the state of Texas. So that then we can re-inject it into border infrastructure, into fighting the illegal uh, drugs that are crossing, and especially fentanyl, which the governor has made a priority number one. I thought that although for all those reasons, there was a possibility that he would specifically also uh, put on the call a migrant processing and jobs plan. But we haven't given up. We don't give up. That's the way we, we, we've we always been. That's in our character trait. You know, the, the way my parents raised me at the tortilleria. And it's just a matter of, you know, if at first you don't succeed, you just keep have that to keep knocking on doors. And, and keep, uh, you know, selling your vision and making sure that others understand. There is al already some bipartisan support, some representatives like uh, uh, Representative John Lujan, who I work well with from San Antonio. He's a Republican and he enjoys also, you know, this plan and has been trying to work with other colleagues also. And we have we've had these discussions as soon as we get back. We're going to try to see if we can set up some individual meetings with some of our colleagues. Obviously, I've had conversations also with the speaker and some of his lieutenants also about this migrant processing plan. And, you know, they haven't shut it down. And so I envision that I will speak with the, the speaker, uh, Dave Phelan, on, on Monday when there's an opportunity to see how we can strategize and see how we can we can implement this uh, bill that will be filed. Hopefully we can get a return from the Ledge Council who does all the drafting for us um, at the Capitol and we can file it on Monday or soon after. And let me ask you, and it'll be the last question that I'll ask you on this one, with the upcoming presidential elections, how naive is it for someone to believe that immigration is not one of the 
three top issues that the next president of the United States will be elected on? It's pretty naive. You know, I think uh, time and time again, we have had professors, we have had survey, uh, we, uh, surveys, we have had polling done that show that for the Republican base, they've done a magnificent job of scaring the Republican base uh, in these polls and in and, and the elect, some of these elected officials that are extreme far right on the whole issue of border security. And it's become the number one issue for the Republican base. And so rather than burying your hand, your head in the sand and, and just thinking that it doesn't exist or, you know, I get frustrated at times with some of these White House press conferences where it says we don't have an open border. Or there, there are no mass crossings taking place. And the, the reality that we see on a daily basis is that there's long lines, people holding hands, these migrants from the Mexico side of the river banks, holding hands throughout the river to make sure nobody gets lost lost in the in the river flow and then making it to to the eagle pass uh side of the river banks and so i'd rather think and and that those are the things you know you know i'm a democrat i'm a moderate tend to be moderate i was a four, fourth most conservative democrat this past legislative session based on based on 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 our on our voting record and so uh, but at the same time you know i think that it's important and representing over 202,000 people in the largest geographic district in the state of texas and in all of the united states i think that it's imperative in those that voted for me or didn't vote for me they i mean they they want to make sure that they have an elected official that is speaking truth that is giving truth to power and that's making sure that all interests in our district and in the state of Texas are taking place. And I think sometimes we need to call out our own, like, like I have in recent interviews and also in past uh, letters that I've sent the White House and President Biden, letting them know that I think that the whole issue of border security is being handled incorrectly and that we can do more. I understand that it's Congress ultimately that's responsible for passing effective immigration reform policies that'll get us to have this problem, problem eliminated. But there's no indication whatsoever. I mean, you just saw earlier this week the chaos that that is within uh, the own Republican Party at the federal level with respect to, you know, the speaker losing a speakership up there in Congress and the dysfunction that is taking place. They're really good at scaring folks, but they really don't have any ideas or plans on how to work with government and make it better for everyone. And I think that um, if we're able to address that, and I plead to President Biden and the White House, you've done a great job of getting us out of the recession in a super fast time. You have supported you know, the United Auto Workers up there in, in Detroit and Michigan and done a fantastic job, I think, in being able to actually physically be there so you can see the support that he asked for unions also. But at the same time, we have members in unions here in Eagle Pass in the Border Patrol with the DPS. We have the Eagle Pass firefighters and police officers that also belong to a membership union also and the EMS crews. Why don't you also, and my question to the White House would be, why don't you see it from that end also and actually make make it a point to send uh, Mayorkas, to send our border czar, vice, border czar, vice president Kamala Harris, or for the president himself to come and show that this is important to him because at the same time, I think if we don't address this, as far as the Democratic Party, and we don't have a vision and a goal and a plan in place, and including the White House and trying to do as much as possible 
um, with the restrictions that are in place, since Congress is really the one that has to act, you know, without that and without seeing that, that Biden is trying to do something, um, you, we could end up handling handling the next election to the opposition on a silver platter on this one issue, even though there's all this dysfunction and chaos and turmoil amongst the Republican Party itself. And so I would I would plead in a respectful way to President Biden for him to consider the 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 issues that are taking place here on the on the border and 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 don't do it for just for the community my community is resilient the folks in eagle pass we we are low income middle income we were raised to were uh, in a in a on a hard way we're, we're we're tough you know um we're resilient individuals we we know uh, what it means um, to to get your hands dirty and to to work hard for what you have, I'd say do it for the country. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I mean, the, 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 the next four years and could dictate very well where we are headed in this country. And where eventually are we going to have a, a better country represented by, by individuals that represent the best interests when it comes to climate, when it comes to border security, when it comes to representing and making sure that the, the right taxes are in place for corporate interests as well as individuals to protect the middle class. All these issues that we constantly fight for, loan forgiveness, making sure that the middle class is taking care of that the the hourly that the hourly rate you know uh, is increased on. So all of these issues are important to Middle America, and I think they can all go by the wayside if this border security issue is not is not addressed effectively and in a positive way. And that we see President Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, Mr. Mayorkas, and the rest of the White House team um, effectively doing something to try to curtail this, try to have either cooperation agreements with Mexico, go to Latin America and make sure that they're visiting there too. And just making sure that this is not, this does not continue for the next two or three months. You know, the, the, the new governor elect of Coahuila, uh, Manolo Jimenez met earlier this week also with the governor. I saw some social media photographs also. Yes. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a, a great idea for him, even though he doesn't really come in until December, but to put, his right foot forward, make sure that he's willing to work with the governor and also understands that there's a current written agreement between the two governors on this migrant search that is not being honored. And that's the whole uh, reason for the actions by Governor Abbott with respect to the 100 percent commercial inspections. And so I reached out to the governor elect also and uh, through WhatsApp and exchanging um, voice um, messages and texts. And he's in line with understanding and he's very well aware. And so he's got a plan of action. And, you know, I like that. And and I, I've known I knew him before uh, he became governor, uh, governor elect. And so I look forward to working with him because Wawila is the fastest uh, growing, most most powerful northern state in, in Mexico. 
the the investments that are taking place in Saltillo, Monclova, and in Piedras Negras, and the Cinco Manantiales, which is uh, all of the smaller communities around Piedras Negras, where we have half a million people right across the border, compared to the 70, 75,000 people here in Maverick County, is something that shows us that the the economic future of Eagle Pass and the border community and the state of Texas uh, very well rides with how effective we can be in communicating and working with those governors in Mexico. And with that said, I mean, at the same time, he's the incoming. And also, I think people need to realize the remesas, the money that is sent back to Mexico by the people that are living here. I know in one of the mañanitas, which is the press briefings, for the president of uh, Mexico, they were talking about billions of dollars a month that are sent from, you know, people that are Mexican uh, nationality, Mexican citizens that are living in the United States that are sent back to their families in Mexico. So that is also an industry alone for them. And the fact that you are trying to figure out a way to allow people to work here which would allow them to send money back and also pay taxes here. I think that's definitely something that everyone needs to look at. And I would even argue to say the fact that a person like Elon Musk, a leader of industry, not only in the United States, but internationally, took the time to go to Little Eagle Pass, Texas, to see firsthand what is going on, should send a clear message also to the White House that it's time for someone to get down here, whether it's the president or it is the vice president, to see firsthand what is going on because we do not do it justice and we try our hardest. And you know, myself, my colleague, Jordan Elder, we sat there at the river for about 20 hours one day, all night. And we watched all of that go on. I would tell somebody that's running for president of the United States, you have got to sit there for 24 hours and see what happens in a 24-hour period to truly understand what is going on in the towns like Eagle Pass, down in the valley, in El Paso. Because for many times, these towns are the ones that are said to be the red-headed stepchild that gets the migajas, the crumbs, you know, and no one's really paying attention, but those are the fastest growing areas. So I really thank you for coming on and for your initiative to try and bring a plan that would bring Republicans and Democrats alike, not only to building barriers, but building a way to also work with the country that's right next door to us. We're not talking about the Ukraine half a world away. We're talking about Mexico, who's right next door. It's our backyard. So I really thank you for making time to do this. And I know people enjoy hearing this because it's unedited. This is your opportunity to speak and put your plan forth. So we really thank you very much for taking the time for doing this. Well, thank you. And I appreciate it. And I think I truly mean it when I think some of the angels that we've received in this community are exactly that Jordan and, and you and, and other media folks that just want to be able to give the news without tilting it one way or the other. And for that, we yeah. We were very appreciative. We thank you and, and uh, you know, continue fighting that fight of making sure that you are giving Texans and everyone in the United States a clear view of what exactly is going on and making sure that you're also interviewing folks just like me that are trying to think outside the box 
and they're trying to address what public serve what 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 the community and constituents are asking us um, to do, and 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 to make sure that we focus more on the issues that actually can unite us rather than divide us. I think for the most part, two parties have been stuck so much, and I think so much of it comes also. Um, from, you know, unfortunately, and, and this is my own personal opinion, you know, former President Trump and just the just the division that he has created amongst amongst them. I mean, it worked to where, as you can see, it even cost the speakership, I think, his, his speakership at the, at the federal level. Exactly. Well, we we really appreciate you and we thank you and thank you for joining us for another edition of immigration crisis, the fight for the southern border. I'm Jami Virgin in San Antonio, Texas for Sinclair Broadcasting. Thank you, State Representative. Thank you.